0: I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old Watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Today I want to do things a little bit differently. I'm not going to try to preach or teach, and honestly I don't know if I'm very effective at either. But perhaps I'm better at just pointing people in the right directions. To encourage someone, to build them up. And I'm not talking about a motivational speech, mind you. God knows we have enough pastors and ministers already who are great motivational speakers. It seems to me they'd rather be motivational speakers than pastors and ministers. No, today I just want to talk with you about some things that are pulling on my heartstrings. My wife tells me I should let my personality shine through more. Well, that sounds good, but I do not have a personality that I'm aware of, but still... I just want to talk with you, one-on-one, just you and me. What does a watchman talk about? He talks about what he sees and hears. To be honest, I've been astounded by what I've seen and heard in the past two or three weeks. The Grammy Awards presented a performance of a song called Unholy by Sam Smith, who identifies as non-binary, and transgender male artist Kim Petra that was truly, well, unholy. It was televised for all the world to see, and hundreds of thousands, if not millions, cheered. It gives you an idea of the state this world is in. Now, Kim Petra mentioned that he was the first transgender woman to win such an award. Why was it so important to drive that home? Did he work any harder to win this award than any other non-transgender recipients or any of the other awards? No. He was seeking recognition and validation. And I don't understand that. I am a white, conservative, Christian, heterosexual male. And I do not need recognition or validation from anyone for me to feel comfortable or feel good about myself. I suppose that it was an attempt to make that which is not normally accepted as normal. And it was all presented by our friend's at Pfizer, You know, the megalithic pharmaceutical companies that provided the jab that didn't work. Guess they needed a tax write-off. So they chose to use their billions to promote sin and evil. Evil promoting evil. <laughs> Imagine that. Well enough about that meanwhile a week or so later a chapel service began at Asbury University on the 8th of February I believe and at this time the chapel service has yet to conclude some say it's a revival breaking out I'm inclined to agree to a great extent but it appears to be more of an awakening Awakening. That's something that I've been talking about the past six, seven weeks. It's time to awaken. And praise God I see that happening for a lot of people. Certainly I am encouraged and hopeful. But here's the way I see it. People are hungry for God and people are showing up from all across the country to get in on the movement at Asbury. That's a good thing. I'm glad to see it, but there are some things that i thought about, and I ask you to take some thoughts into consideration as well. One, is God any more present or available at Asbury than he is anywhere else in the country? No, I think not. Then why are people drawn to Asbury? Those who arrive at Asbury are seeking God on a personal level and not a corporate level. In other words, they're not coming for dynamic preachers, huge digital screens, supersonic sound systems, fog machines, or the best-performing musical artists. Most of them have those things at their church at home. They're not coming to Asbury for a show. They're going to Asbury to find God. People all across the nation are hungry for the presence of God. Many seem to be finding him at Asbury. So why aren't they finding God's presence where they are? Why are they going to Asbury? Let me tell you a story. It's a story about my personal life, and maybe that way you get to know me a little bit better. You see, my daddy was not an educated man. I'm not for certain, but I don't think he had much more than middle school education. Yet he was perhaps the wisest man I've ever known. I don't say that just because he was my dad. I say that because I actually believe it to be true. Ever since I was old enough to remember, I'd ask Dad, Papa, what do you want for Christmas? Or what do you want for your birthday? For 30 years, I asked those questions, and his response was always the same. He'd say, son, if everyone is healthy and we have plenty to eat, I reckon that'll be just fine. And this answer would always leave me frustrated and confused to no end. I never understood until I was rapidly approaching my fifth decade. You see, Dad grew up through the Great Depression. Or the latter end of it. And he never had much in the way of material things. I can remember how he worked to provide a home with heating and air conditioning. When once we had no home with heating or air conditioning. I remember how he worked as a family. To put food on our table from our pastures and our gardens. You see dad knew what it was like to live in survival mode. He worked to survive and for his family's survival. I was the son in whom he had great hope to provide me with a better future than his past. He understood that nothing was more important than good health, a full stomach, clothes on your back, and shelter. You see, Dad wasn't worried so much about what he wanted as he was keeping and maintaining what he had. That's what he worked to provide for. Not only that, he sacrificed greatly to make certain that I had the education that he would never have. Material things and luxury items had no value for Dad. He'd always say, stuff like that will rot and rust away soon enough. Daddy always had some kind of saying that he would say to me when I wanted something. I received it as country-hick philosophy from an old man. What I was too ignorant to realize is that most of that country-hick philosophy was straight out of the Bible. It wasn't philosophy. It was wisdom. It was wisdom that a rebellious son didn't want to hear. But now, now I understand what Dad was trying to convey to me when I ask him what he wanted for Christmas or his birthday, if everyone is healthy and we have plenty to eat, I reckon that'll be fine. I understand now. It's not about what we want. It's about what we have. More importantly, it's about what we do with what we have. What do I mean by that? And Here's an example. There was once a time that I prayed to God asking for material things that I thought I needed. The problem is that what I thought I wanted and what I needed, I had those things confused. I thought that what I wanted is what I needed, when if the truth be told, what I wanted and what I needed were two completely different things. I was so hung up on what I wanted instead of being content with what I had and doing the best I could with what I had. When I pray now, I'm very careful. Rarely, very rarely do I pray for some material things unless it's something that will help me spread the gospel. Most of the time I pray for well-being, provision of needs, supernatural interventions on behalf of others. A lot of the times that I pray, I ask questions, and then I just listen. Most of the time, I'm directed to scriptures to get answers. By the way, many times, I'm directed to the same scriptures my dad used to try to direct me to as a young man. Now, the moral of the story is that I don't concern myself so much with what I want or what I don't have. I'm much more concerned with using that which is within my grasp to the best of my ability, namely, the ability to humble myself before an almighty God in prayer, seeking his face and repentance. So what do I have that other Christians don't have? Nothing. I have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have Holy Spirit to guide, direct, and comfort me. I have God's holy word, the Bible, to keep everything in balance. That never gets old, and it excites me every day. I have everything that I need. God has provided it all. If indeed my family and I are in good health, have shelter, clothes, plenty to eat, then I am blessed. What more could I ask for? Why would I want to ask for anything more? Now what does all this have to do with revival or awakening and Asbury? It has to do with contentment, security, trust, and worship posture before God. What is truly going on at Asbury? What I can see and what I've heard from others who have been there, it's about prayer. There's more prayer going on than anything else. Yes, there is music. Is it the best music provided by the most prominent artists of the day? No, not from what I've heard performance-wise. However, there is a joyful noise unto the Lord from the heart. There are a lot of people praying, seeking God for themselves, and what I have gathered and been told, some are coming face-to-face with God for the first time. There is an inordinate amount of worship and praise. Notice that I did not say praise and worship. That would be out of order. Do you worship what you praise, or do you praise who you worship? Consider the word worship in Hebrew and Greek in 90% of the instances has to do with bowing down before deity to worship. Praise is entirely different. Praise in music, singing, joyful exuberance. Oh, I've had many prayers going out for the revival or the awakening, as I prefer to call it, at Esberry, to sweep across this nation. That'd be good. I'd love to see that. Question. What is there that'll keep this from happening? You ready for the answer? It's us. I'll ask the question again. Is God any more present or available at a chapel at asbury than any other place in the country in the world the universe no of course he isn't the fact is that the church is chasing after signs and wonders They're no longer satisfied with meeting god under their prayer shawl prayer closet or at the altar for that matter the people who are going to asbury have lost their joy in their present circumstances. The newness has worn off. And they're looking for the next best thing. They're looking for something new, a new excitement, a newness of life. They're seeking to be revived in their spirit or awakened and find the joy of the Lord once again. Certainly, I believe what is occurring at Asbury University Chapel is a wondrous, beautiful thing. But I don't think it should be confined to Asbury, or whether I say it shouldn't be. Let me share another story with you. Not long ago, I was driving a 2009 Kia Sorento. It was a good, dependable vehicle. The only problems were that it didn't have a functioning air conditioning system, and the radio didn't work. I drove that SUV six years without air conditioning or radio, and I was content. However, my wife found a four-year-old Ram pickup that was immaculate condition for about $30,000 less than other trucks on the market, and she bought it for me to drive. The Kia was sold to another owner who was just as happy to get it as I was to get the Ram pickup. Now, the Ram was a Laramie edition, and it was loaded with just about every option available on Ram pickups in 2018. It's far nicer than anything I've ever owned. I do use the heat and the air conditioning, but as far as the radio and other high-end options available on the truck, I find that I seldom use them. Why? Because the new wore off of them, and although I was aware of the nicer aspects of the truck, I simply reverted back to my practice as if they didn't exist. Why? Because those things were now the norm, and I didn't appreciate them as much as I first did. I simply rarely, if ever, used them. I simply went back to what I was accustomed to. And if the truth were told, And I'm going to tell the truth, I didn't need a newer truck. I was quite happy to keep and maintain the Kia that I had been driving. That's how it is with a lot of Christians and their walk with God, I'm afraid. Folks are looking for the next best thing. Currently, that's happening at Asbury. The problem is is that where Jesus is concerned, there is no next best thing. But for many, the new wears off the relationship. The Bible doesn't get opened as often. The giving of the tithes becomes burdensome. Time in prayer and fellowship dwindles as the pressures of life ebb and flow. But the greater benefits are still there. They just don't see as much use, much like options on that truck. People look around and they're afraid. They're afraid what they see around them. They're afraid what they see on the news. They're afraid of the woke agenda spreading and building up like an unending flow of lava across the land. They become defeated, dissatisfied as they struggle to make ends meet or strive for a more comfortable lifestyle. Then something like Asbury comes along. It's new, it's fresh, and people say, Look, that's where God is. God help us. Let's go to Asbury and cry it out to God. Well, that's good. I love seeing that. I love seeing that at Asbury. I love seeing that at Lee University. I love seeing that in campuses across the land. I'm encouraged by that. But let me tell you something. God hadn't changed addresses. He's still the same place he was when Jesus hung on the cross in my rightful place for my benefit. God did not move away from us. Is it possible that we moved away from God? What I'm seeing is history repeating itself. What? What do I mean I see history repeating itself? Well, Chronicles 2, chapter 7, 13 and 14, reads, If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a pestilence among my people. Now bear in mind, we've seen some unusual weather patterns for the last little while. We've seen food processing take a hit, a lot of fires, and Lord knows we've seen a pestilence for the last three years. I'll read it again. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or I command the locusts to devour the land or I send a pestilence among my people and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Wickedness has invaded our land as I've mentioned in my reference to the Grammy Awards. People are afraid and frightened by what they're seeing around them in the political arenas. Pestilence has swept over the world for the last three years, and when people who are called by God's name, Christians, humble themselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from their wicked ways, kind of sounds like what's going on with Asbury, huh? Kind of sounds like an awakening in the land, doesn't it? It goes on to say, then he will one, hear from heaven, two, forgive sin, and three, heal the land. Cannot we as a people, called by his name, Christians, humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, and repent at any given time, at any given place? In our prayer closets, under our prayer shawl, in a quiet corner of the room, at the altars of our churches? Or do we need to go to Asbury or Lee University or anywhere else for that matter? We have a God who is present and available at any given place, any time of the day. Well, that is, if we don't lose our joy and our salvation and the provisions that God has provided us with, Don't let the newness of life in Jesus Christ wear thin and opaque in your life. I don't mean to sound boastful, but I've enjoyed a state of renewal, revival, awakening every day of my life for the past four and a half years. Hallelujah. His grace is new and fresh every day, and His mercy endures forever. Jesus is enough to sustain me. I do not allow the concerns of this world to weigh me down. How can I? I am a son of the Most High God. I am an heir to a kingdom in Jesus Christ. I am comforted and directed by the Holy Spirit that abides within me. I find that fascinating, exciting, and refreshing every single day. Don't you? If you feel the tug on your heartstrings to go to Asbury or Lee University or any of the campuses where this awakening is cropping up, by all means, I encourage you to saddle up and go. Please, go. I mean that. But at this time, it is not God's will that I must go. I may go at some time. I don't know. We'll see. But for the time being, I'll meet with God underneath my prayer shawl, or in a closet, or at an altar. I'll worship and offer praises as I pray. The tears will flow as I pray that you will find what I have found, a perfect peace and trust in the Lord. What is being experienced at Asbury is available to you every day, right where you are. And I'll say it again, if you feel drawn to go to any of these places, by all means, go. Don't let any naysayer keep you from going. Now, there are a good many people who are attempting to throw water on these events taking place on these campuses and douse them as being unbiblical. They say that revival can only come by the man of God, preaching sound doctrine and theology from the pulpit. They say that a woman spoke or preached at the opening service. But I have to ask these questions to these pastors, authors, theologians, or whoever they may be. If the reasons they are stating disqualify this movement as a revival or an awakening, then what does that say about revival not taking place in their church or their place of influence? Why are we not seeing awakenings or revival in their church under their leadership? If it were, we'd be hearing about the revival breaking out under their leadership and guidance. But we aren't. Jesus told Peter, Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep in the book of John. Didn't say anything about revive my sheep. In Ezekiel 34, God admonished the shepherds of Israel because they fed themselves and did not feed the sheep, strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up which is broken, bring back the stray or seek the lost. The pastor nurtures the flock. The evangelist gathers the flock, which can be taken that they add new members to the flock, I suppose. I've seen that happen. But to say that revival can only be brought about by man is placing the man above God. Friends, it just ain't so. That's about all I have to say about that. I want to thank you for spending time with me and allowing me to just talk for a few minutes about a few things. I feel better. I hope you do. I'd ask that you consider subscribing to the podcast. Go to my website at www.theoldwatchman.com and drop me an email. Good, bad, ugly, I'd like to hear from you. I am The Old Watchman Ezekiel. You've been warned. It's been fun talking with you. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you liked content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing, nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.